Welcome back to another edition of Bleeding Green, Beers, Burgers, and Bearcat Football. Matt Daniel here. So glad you joined me once again for this week's uh, this week's edition here as we kind of went back to the every other week uh, thing that we've been doing through the offseason. That will continue in two weeks. We'll have another great episode reliving some some past memories in uh, in Bearcat football. I'll talk more about that at the end. Right now we're focusing on the 2022 edition of the Northwest Bearcat football team. And of course the spring game was last week. I got an opportunity to go up and, and witness the game and we're going to talk a lot about it. There's some exciting things and, and you know, some news it's, I don't know, you know, honestly, it's kind of all probably a little bit overblown just because I know for me, I'm, I'm just hungry for it. Right. I think we're all just kind of hungry to see some, uh, see some football. It was kind of neat to have the USFL, you know, have, have some spring football as the NFL draft and thing, things, um, kind of comes up. But anyway, it's, uh, you know, it's a glorified practice, right? They've they had, you know, 15 or so practices, uh, this spring to, to kind of get ready and everything. And so, um, you know, it's, it's not the well-oiled machine that we'll see in the fall, but, uh, but it is interesting. A lot of young guys, my goodness, we lost so many, you know, starters, you know, two on the, you just look at defense, right? Two on the defensive line, two linebackers, um, of the five, six guys that played in the secondary a lot, um, you know, most of them are gone, you know, of, of the main six probably that rotated in and out, five of those guys are gone. You know, the left side of the offensive line, you know, and a guy named, I don't know, Al McKellar, you know, the top three receivers. And so um, a lot of, I don't necessarily want to say holes, but, but maybe it is, you know, we're going to see a lot of new faces, especially in the skill positions, um, not just on defense, of course, but skill positions on offense specifically having a couple of veteran quarterbacks, um, you know, certainly helps that. But, uh, but, but this episode, a lot of stuff we're going to talk about. So just to kind of preview it for you, here's what I've got coming up. I'll have a chat with John Walker sports editor for the Northwest Missourian, who um, coincidentally is kind of wrapping up his time at Northwest as he's getting ready to graduate. He's been a, a, a great friend and honestly a great resource um, for me of, of uh, you know, kind of getting plugged in and things. And and uh, Coach Rich Wright will be joining me as well. And also Tucker Peeve is kind of a carryover from, you know, a couple of months ago when I spoke with him um, just kind of about equipment in, you know, the, the equipment department and everything, we're going to specifically talk about the locker room. It's something we kind of just glossed over last time him and I had talked some and, and we both agreed that we need to come in and kind of cover it maybe a little bit more in long form. And so, um, you know, I got my first look at the locker room back in February is spectacular. You know, there aren't enough superlatives to really talk about it. Um, but let's focus on the spring game to start. By the way, I want to say a special thank you to John Dykstra from the Maryville Daily Forum. He helped me out with some audio he was able to get after the game. We're going to hear from defensive lineman Zach Howard, offensive coordinator Todd Sturdy as well. And just kind of my initial thoughts. Listen, we're going to cover this. I'm going to cover it with John Walker. We're going to, I'm going to talk about it with Coach Wright. But a few things that I didn't really get a chance to talk about in detail and some of these guys. Now, there were some injuries. So, you know, we didn't see a Jamar Moya, who who I think we're probably going to see more in the backfield. That certainly uh, looks like that's the case. I personally think that's a better position for him. I think getting the ball in his hands, um, you know, and 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 – uh, Tank Young was a, a run, young running back. We didn't get to see a lot of Robert Rawi. I'm really excited to see him from Liberty. And uh, he's a guy didn't get a lot of opportunities last year, 
but when he did, um, he's looked really, really good. He's kind of that, um, you know, kind of a, a more of a bell cow type running back. And so that's uh, that's interesting. I think unless we see some kind of transfer, you know, we're probably going to see a running back by committee. But who knows? You know, boy, Coach Wright has had really good success bringing in kind of those uh, those graduate transfers at running back. We n- never had a better one um, than Al McKellar last year. So uh, so that'll be really interesting to see a, a Jakai Mitchum, a kid that I heard a lot about kind of behind the scenes last year on the scout team. He's not a guy, I don't think he ever made it into a game. Um, and, he, and he played on the white team, so he was going against our main defense. We didn't see a lot of him. He didn't necessarily stand out, but he's a guy who's got a ton of talent. Really kind of excited to see him. We'll talk about Jaden Brady some as well from Savannah. You know, saw him in the in the Pitt State game where he caught that touchdown, the little seam route up the middle. We saw him catching a lot of balls, a lot of a lot of balls out of the backfield. We saw a lot of, especially with the ones and twos on offense, because we're so young and inexperienced at wide receiver, you saw a lot of, of two running back, two tight end sets where maybe there was just Trayvon Alexander, who's kind of the main receiver back, and I would expect him unless, uh, you know, and, and, and who knows what's going to happen, right? That's kind of the uncertainty um, of what's going to happen between now and the fall. And, and Coach is going to talk about it in our chat coming up about um, you know possible transfers and things. But there were some other guys that didn't get an opportunity um, to play. Some of the linemen, Mitch Goff, starting offensive lineman, we didn't see him out there. Um, some other guys um, as well. Riley Peters is a guy who got hurt in the fall scrimmage last year, terrible leg injury. He's a guy I'm really excited to see. I think he'll be ready to go for the season. He's a transfer from South Dakota. 6'5", 250, big guy. I think he'll help out the defensive line because when you think about it, right, you're you're replacing Sam Roberts and Noah Williams. And, you know, Noah's not a guy that that maybe got the headlines with a Zach Howard, with a, you know, with Elijah Green and Sam, of course. But he was, you know, when he was healthy, a real just, you know, just kind of plug him in guy. And so they're... um, you know, it was interesting to see because that's what we look at, right? You know, we kind of take for granted as Bearcat fans, ah, the defense is going to be fine, especially the defensive line, linebackers. You know, we're going to have the best front seven in the MIAA, you know, and one of the best front sevens in the country. I think, um, you know, Sam Phillips, linebacker, stud. You know, he he's he's going to do his thing. Isaac Volstadt was a guy who, who played a lot last year. Um couple of other guys, Andrew um, Blum or Bloom, I apologize if I'm messing up his name, but uh, he looked really, really good. He's, um, you know, he's a guy that's been around. He's a junior. And then also Andrew Dumas, both of those guys kind of rotated in in that third linebacker spot. I think I think we're going to see Sam and, and Isaac Volstead probably start. At least that's the way it's looking now. Those guys came in the whole linebacking core. The speed, and there were several of us that kind of sat together that were making comments to one another. The speed of our linebackers was ever so impressive. And even with the youth of our defensive backfield, they look really, really good. And so, and in fact, let's hear from Zach Howard. He, he talked after the game about all of that youth and about some guys that are really starting to impress. We basically started from ground zero, right, uh, with, with so many people come, you know, leaving, um, senior guys that are leaving, and they're just smart. They play at a different level when you're senior. And so um, starting from week one, day one, spring ball to here, they've grown so much in the back end. You know, they're not perfect. They're going to mess up um, just like I do, just like the D-line. Elijah does. He'll tell you the same thing. So they're doing a, a great job just 
fixing things that they need to fix, and it's just fun to watch those guys. You know, um, to have a little attitude in the back end with Trey on, and just flying around. Uh, Khalil's a freaking stud. I wouldn't be surprised if he's an All-American by the end of the year. You know, um, and the goal's the same. So you know, whether it's a bunch of new guys or not, whether whether it's a bunch of seniors or freshmen. Uh, we want to get to that middle right there, and it's we haven't gotten there since I've been here. So goals the same, and we're gonna have to we're gonna have to work hard to do it. Well, and that's why guys come to Northwest, right? That's why, um, you know, and that's why we love the Bearcats. It's it's national title is is kind of an expectation, or at least semifinal, and then you know we feel pretty good about our chances, especially if we can get to get home games. Anyway, that's a long ways off, but um, you know it is it is kind of interesting. I will talk about offense for a minute, and I'll hold off the quarterback talk. That's, you know, I think receiver was one of the big things. I'm going to talk about it with John Walker. One guy that really stood out, and, and John talks about him too in our chat later, is Connor DeLong, redshirt freshman from Olathe West, 6'3". It was getting to a point where they were just throwing it up to him, and he was just going to get it. Now, you know, it, it was later in the game. I think he caught a couple of touchdowns um, for the white team to kind of tie it up, and, and the game ends 14-14, but uh, like I said, glorified practice, right? There's a lot of guys rotating in and out and things, but, um, you know, we saw a miles Tatum at wide receiver. Um, you know, there's a, a Luke Matthews. We saw him, of course, Trayvon Alexander. I mean, he's a guy we kind of expect to see Keegan sturdy is, uh, you know, coach Sturdy's son. Who's, you know, kind of, uh, kind of, a an Alec Tatum type and that's big expectations. I'm not trying to put that on. I'm speaking of Tatum's miles Tatum, Alex's little brother is, uh, you know, is playing as well. And there, there's just a lot of guys, you know, a lot of tight ends played, you know, we're, we're pretty young on the offensive line. I felt like the offensive line play, played pretty well for the most part. Um, you know, a, a lot of passes and things went, went to the running backs. And so we got to see, uh, got to see some of those guys, um, Jackson Miller, kid from DeSoto, Kansas, a, a red shirt freshman. And I don't know, you know, so many of these guys, honestly, we probably won't see play for another year or two. And, uh, um, but he was somebody who who looked pretty good, has had some nice catches out of the backfield. I will say, you know, f we all talk about, uh, you know, Mike Owensy, Braden Wright. But as far as other quarterbacks, you know, Joseph Krause was a guy we saw in the Missouri Western game and kind of got, you know, thrown in and just was just kind of holding holding down the ship, so to speak, in that game with with obviously Braden was hurt. And Mike got hurt earlier in that game. And at that point, you know, we found out at the end of the season, he wasn't even practicing week to week, could barely walk. But Chris Runke is a kid. Um, and, and I talked about him last year. He was somebody who I felt played particularly well in the fall scrimmage. And and he this is his redshirt year. So in the fall, he'll be a redshirt freshman. I wouldn't expect we're probably going to see him for another couple of years anyway. Um, but he's, he's impressive. His arm strength is is really really good and he just kind of flicked his wrist a couple of times and and you know was throwing 50 yard bombs and and there there were some um you know there were some other passes and things but i mean if if you just look at it from an aspect of okay get the guy in our system right two more years which ideally right you you like a guy um, typically at Northwest to be a junior before they're kind of thrust into that starting role. But, um, you know, and who knows? A lot of things can happen. If he's got to stick around and and uh, stick with the program, continue to continue to get better, right? Some guys, you know, that's the thing we never know when guys sign as, as freshmen. And we kind of talked about it a little bit on signing day. 
what's going to happen three, four, five years down the road? We don't know. You know, they may not play football. They may not play football at Northwest anymore. And so, so who knows? But I think he he's a guy, as well as the new recruit that was signed this year, you know, that the future looks pretty doggone bright besides what we have now. So let's talk about our quarterbacks, right? Mike Owensy and Braden Wright, both guys, you know, man, talk about tough gamers. Both of them absolutely happen. I'm, um, you know, it was really shocking to, to find out that Mike, could barely walk, wasn't practicing during the season. Braden, you know, almost lost his life. Um, was We found out um, after the spring game, he was down 20 pounds when he came back and started playing. He, he felt good, but still, you know, you, you probably aren't looking forward to taking a big hit, especially when you've had abdominal surgery. And so, you know, both of those guys getting healthy. I don't think Mike's there yet from his knee, but I think that was just like three months ago or, well, maybe not, four or five months ago. But, you know, by the by the time the season starts, I think we're going to be in, in pretty good shape. And those two guys, I noted it a few times. I don't know if I've ever talked about it on here, but during the season, whichever one of those guys was playing last year, you would find the other one right there by them, kind of giving them advice, maybe talking to receivers, trying to help each other out. You know, it's from a fan's perspective, right? I mean, and listen, I, I obviously know we have some very vocal fans about who they think should be the quarterback. And obviously each one of those guys wants to be the starter, but they absolutely really care about one another and they have a really great relationship. And, and Coach Sturdy talked about their relationship. Both of them are great young men. Both of them are put the team first type guys that would put our success as a team before, you know, their own needs and wants and all of those things. But I think they both understand that each one of them has a really good skill set and each one of them can produce and execute. And, you know, that's a big part of it. So I've just kind of rolled with it all spring. We did it all fall once Braden came back. Um, and that's what we're going to go forward. We're just going to let those guys keep rolling like they are. And I think they feed off each other and um, it's been really good. Both are great young men, and they both come from great families, by the way. Kudos to their families. I think that says a lot about what kind of young men they are from the families that they come from. have done a great job, and uh, specifically their dads. Both both have just, just great dads. And, and either way, I think either one represent the uh, the university very, very well. And uh, I think, I don't know, you know, it's, it's hard to say, but I think it's probably a situation where we see both of them um, in, in some extent. Um, you know, when it comes to the fall, I mean, that's basically what coach Sturdy said and, uh, you know, and, and that will probably continue and boy, you know, I, I don't think you can really go wrong. Obviously Mikey's the more accurate thrower. He, you know, set a school record for completion percentage in a season last year, but I think Braden has more to give than what we've seen. And, uh, I think, you know, I think he's got some more surprises and some more things to show, um, show the fans and things too. So, um, you know, and, and who knows, you know, you never know what's going to happen as far as injuries and other things go. And, and, you know, I think pretty much every other team in the MIAA would, would be happy to, uh, to have either one of those guys as their number one or number two, um, you know, quarterbacks for sure. So, uh, well, let's take a quick time out. We'll hear my chat with coach Rich Wright. That's next year on bleeding green. Hi, this is Xavier Oman, former Northwest Bearcat. You're listening to Bleeding Green with Matt Daniel. Once a Bearcat, always a Bearcat. 
And happy to be joined here on Bleeding Green by Coach of the Bearcats, Rich Wright. And uh, Coach, thanks so much for uh, taking some time and, and joining me here on the podcast. Absolutely. Glad to be here. Well, uh, spring uh, spring practice wraps up with the spring game and everything last week. What kind of makes spring practice different in in compared to like fall camp? How how, how is the mood and things different in, uh, in the spring for you guys? Spring is much more of a is much more of a teaching segment, you know, where we're trying to develop everyone. Um, not that we're you know we omit that during fall camp, but. Uh, we're trying to create depth charts and the sense of urgency is just at a different level. And, you know, once we get there after the first couple of weeks, then it's pivoting into a game. And, um, you know, so you got to get the guys that you think are going to be the impact people in your program, uh, ready to play in that game. Uh, whereas spring you're, you're basically going a month or a little bit better and you're trying to develop everybody. You know, you're really getting your first glimpse at uh, your true freshman class, um, kind of seeing what they can do within the structure and framework of your offense or your defense. Um, you know, because once, once again, once we get into the season, they're running scout teams for for everybody else. And so to get them honed back in, to start the whole teaching process over again, um, it's done at a much slower pace and, and just trying to evaluate kind of what you have. Well, and only 15 practices to do it in the spring, uh, you know, and, and in, then even focusing on the game. I mean, when you're evaluating players, how, how much do you weigh performance in the spring game, right? Which is what us fans get to see. We don't get to see every day in practice versus kind of what happens over the course of those 15 practices. You know, honestly, it's really nothing more than another practice. It's one of 15 for us. Um, you know, it's the one where everybody gets to come to, but, uh, you know, there's a bigger body of work there. And and so what we're really looking for in the spring game, because you have the added dimension of fans and, and people paying attention to what's going on. It's the only thing that we did that was truly live uh, during the spring. Um you know, you, you you put a little bit of emphasis on it, but not that much drastically different. You just kind of want to see what the kids can do um, when the lights turn on, so to speak. Well, how was this spring different? Because last spring there was kind of, you know, you're coming off COVID, of course, missing the season. There was kind of that the open scrimmage with Sioux Falls, and this year there there wasn't that, right? It was it was Bearcats versus Bearcats. So, what was the feeling any different this spring versus last? Oh, sure. I mean, first of all, you know, that was a one-time deal and, and hopefully the NCAA will pass something like that. Cause I think everybody saw the benefit of it, but, uh, you know, coming off of COVID, they gave us the opportunity to be able to scrimmage somebody else. And anytime you can, you can do that and work towards something. I think it adds a little bit of a dimension to, you know, your spring practices, but, uh, you know, the, probably the biggest takeaway for us was, you know, we we had 17 guys last year that had been through the wars with us, you know, for what was going to be six years this fall, and they were all gone. And so the thing that that I don't think a lot of people think about is is just how COVID impacted all that. So take, for example, my class that, that should be redshirt juniors this year. Uh, they're going to have a super year as well, so they get two instead of one um, after this season. But, you know, a lot of those kids, the last time we were playing for real was 2019, and a lot of them weren't physically ready to play for us yet. Well, they lose a year, but they're all here, 
And then we've got that big group of seniors coming back so they don't get a lot of playing time. So it was interesting to see, you know, when you looked out on the practice field, how many guys hadn't actually taken a snap um, in, a, in a game at Northwest Missouri State. So there's just a lot of teaching going on right now. Well, and that's a really good point, too, because you think about guys that, you know, maybe as as we're looking at the at the depth chart and the roster, maybe, um, you know, as a, as a redshirt sophomore, but it's really their fourth year in the program. And yeah, right. in, in game time, maybe yeah, some of these guys, as, as far as you say, you know, live action, when the bullets are flying, they haven't faced as much of that, but they've at least been in the program and they know kind of the Bearcat way of doing things. And and especially for offensive players, they've gone against your defense. Right. But until you, you know, until you actually get out there, there's a big difference. It's just like anything else. I mean, I'm a, I'm a world renowned golfer. If I get to sit in my, in my lazy boy and watch it on TV, I know exactly what everybody does wrong, but take me out on the links and have me play. And it's a completely different thing. Um, it, it's just, it's getting that it, for, for any kid that's in our program, having that game experience is, is what's so vital. Um, you know, they know what to do, but being able to execute that under pressure um, with a play clock, with tempo offense, with, you know, for for the offensive kids, watching our guys come up and show pressure and do things like that and make good calls and understand what we're doing. It just magnifies all the, the mental things that we've been teaching them during their time here. Well, I know you haven't had a, a ton of time, you know, to kind of reflect on, you know, on these last on these last three weeks or so. But what are your kind of initial, um, you know, feelings coming out of the spring game specifically and overall just just the spring practices? Just, you know, it really isn't any different. You know, I knew what we were going to be up against. We're going to be very young. You know, we're going to have a lot of inexperience at several positions. And, you know, my focus, I actually start exit interviews tomorrow. So I have a. 110 exit interviews over the next week and a half um, that I've got to get through and, and just challenging our kids to develop in all facets of their game. You know, obviously we're going to get bigger and stronger in the weight room, but last time I checked, there's not a bench or a stopwatch out there to run a 40. You know, it's what are you going to do mentally to be more comfortable in our system? What are you going to do physically outside with drill work on your own? Because now we can't be out there coaching it. What um, what are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? How can you identify it? And how can you make up ground over the next three and a half months to get yourself in a position, not just to to play at Northwest Missouri State, you know, but play at a high level? Well, and looking at the different sides of the ball defense specifically, was there a particular position group um, that you were really impressed with, maybe maybe surprised a little bit? I think, um, you know, of, of any of the groups, you know, I like our depth at linebacker right now. Um, I think that that's going to be the strength of our defense going into fall camp. Um, we have, you know, we've, we've done a good job of recruiting. Uh, we've got guys that have seen action. Um, it was also the area where we probably played more guys week in and week out last fall, um, more more multiple at least you know where where guys that weren't starters were at least getting playing time so though we lost um two of our three starters we have guys that are stepping in that had saw significant game action and so that's kind of where i'd hang, hang my hat on that side of the ball i i think for from some of us i mean obviously i'm not a coach and cannot you know evaluate talent like that but i the speed at linebacker was one of the things that it, 
I thought kind of stood out in the in the spring game from the defense anyway. Yeah, they they can all run around. Uh, we've kind of morphed ourselves uh, into that's our biggest prerequisite at linebackers, guys that can run and move, and and so that's what we look for in the recruiting process. And you know that's um, you know just a big area of emphasis or over the the big plugger it's with size you know with what we do with our husker front and playing heavier with our defensive line they don't have to play on as many blocks at the line of scrimmage but they do have to be able to fly over the top and make plays on the perimeter well then the other side of the ball on on offense with kind of the same question was there a particular position group that really um really stood out because there's a lot a lot of areas on on offense especially a receiver and some other places with some younger guys any you know position group that um that kind of stood out if I was going to say stood out, I would tell you I, I like the play of our quarterback position right now. We have two guys that have, have just taken a ton of uh, meaningful snaps, and that's a good place to start with. I, I, I think anytime you have two guys that have played in um, you know big time games, playoff games, um, cut their teeth, um, you know, understand the pressures that go with the position, and to feel comfortable walking into see, uh, season with not just one but two guys that you would feel very comfortable throwing out there um, is is something that's comforting to me. I, I liked, you know, later in the spring scrimmage we were playing with with our threes on both sides of the ball and those younger guys stepped up and executed some good things as well. So if I were going to tip to a position um, on the offensive side, I would say it's our quarterback position. Well, and talk about all the, um, the adversity that both of those guys had to overcome and things. Mm -hmm. And Mikey still rehabbing that knee a little bit. I mean, you know, those and, and a couple of great kids too, you know, representing the program. That's, that's always nice. Yeah. You know, and, and the thing about both of them is they, they, they're so supportive of one another. Um, you know, a lot of times, you know, just because of the nature of the position, it can be pretty competitive and, um, you know, they're, they're not that way. You know, you watch one make a play and the guy's jumping up and down that you see immediately come out on film is, is the guy that's standing there watching. And, and I've watched both of them do it throughout the spring. They're just huge advocates of one another. They both understand that they're going to play and play significant snaps and, and have to be the leaders on that side of the ball. Well, and then special teams too. I mean, it was nice to see all four PATs attempted in the game were made. There was a missed field goal, but, and obviously there's, there's some competition there maybe at the kicker spot, not just that. I mean, there were some other, you know, from some maybe snapping issues and other things um, last fall. How, how, are you happy or how is, how is your feelings about how the special teams is looking? I think we're trending in the right direction. Um, you know, still looking at a couple uh, um, potential additions. We did sign a long snapper out of high school, and that's obviously a position that you can come in and play um, right away. So we'll see how he enters the mix as far as what we're doing. But, um, you know, all in all, I was, I was happy with our kicking, um, you know, took the transfer at semester and I think the competition has been good for both kids. Um, you know, also gives me a little bit of a, a little bit of assurance that if one guy isn't going well, that, that I've got another that can, can step up in a, a pressure situation. But, uh, you know, like everybody else this time of year and the, and the way the portal has changed things, uh, we've held a little bit of money back and, you know, are identifying, you know, the big thing for the spring for me was to either validate or confirm however you want to say it, uh, strengths and weaknesses. And then we'll, we'll go out and proceed accordingly as far as uh, what we look for going into the summer. 
Well, and, and you know, for, you, you talked about that before, even on signing day, that that was going to be, um, you know, going to be an option, especially maybe at receiver, a lot of youth there, um, mm-hmm. you know, so receiver, maybe special teams or, or any other positions that, that you're looking at, or you just looking more for good fits, the right kid? A little bit of a combination of both. You know, I think receiver is an area where we've got to, we've got to land a, a kid or two, um, you know, to help bolster our depth. Uh, just because we lost our top three. Um, but, uh, you know, in addition to that, we, you know, may take another defensive back. Uh, we had a kid that didn't play in the spring game. And, and actually, that's something I should speak to is that, you know, we had a lot of guys out. Um, so, you know, in the backfield, we did some good things. But Jamar Moya didn't play. Tank Young didn't play. Those are two kids that really showed up um, all spring long as being very good and capable running backs. Um so, you know, what you saw on Thursday night, you know, we were we were down a couple offensive linemen, we were down a couple defensive linemen, we were down a defensive back. But, uh, you know, to go back to your initial question, um, you know, the secondary, we've, we've um, you know, gotten one already. I may look for a second. If the right defensive lineman dropped in my lap, I wouldn't say no. Um, you know, there's always a possibility at tailback, you know, we've kind of done a good job finding those kinds of guys, but they have to be the right fit for us. Well, and one thing I wanted to ask you about too, that you talked about after the game was, was the helmet stickers, um, the, the seven and four helmet stickers. I wanted to talk to you, have you talk a little bit about that. Sure. Um, you know, I just, I talked to the team after, after the, um, season was over and we went into the spring and, you know, you listen to a lot of noise and what we graduated and all that. And I just, I told the team that on paper, that's what we were, um, you know, just looking at the defense, you know, you know, for example, uh, we lost two of our starting four on the defensive line. We lost two of our three at, uh, the linebacker position and we lost three of the four in the secondary and you flip it over on the other side of the ball and we lost our left side of our offensive line. We lost our top three receivers production-wise from 2021, and we lost uh, an All-American tailback. And the guys that are going to be that are going to be coming into those positions had, you know, are, are guys most of which are going to are going to have to come from within, but they've never done anything here. So on on paper, that's where we're at, you know. And so if that's the floor, then where do you want your ceiling to be? Because if you don't like the floor, then you better work to the ceiling. Yeah, absolutely. Well, one thing, dude, that I wanted to talk about, somebody that shined a little bit, talk about running backs and missing a couple of guys was Jaden Brady, who earlier that day um, found out that he got a scholarship. So that's a that's a pretty cool moment. Cool, because it's a local kid from Savannah. And, you know, he had the big moment against Pitt State where he where he caught a touchdown and just a, a really cool uh, moment for for him. Yeah, you know, Jaden's a kid that, you know, just from the moment he got here has done nothing but bust his tail. And, um, he's a kid that didn't worry about where he started. He just, he just came in and worked and, you know, showed up in the weight room. It showed up when he, what he did on the field, um, got through his first year and, and just kind of challenged him that, that, that piece of the puzzle was good, but needed to improve his academics, uh, back that up with having over a 3.0 GPA. And, you know, it's something that we look for. We, you know, one of the things that I ask people in recruiting is that, I don't want you to be elite in just one area of your life. I want you to be elite in everything you do. And, um, 
I think that sets them up for the real world. And, and Jaden's response wasn't to pout or anything like that. He just continued to work and was productive for us last fall. And, you know, one of my greatest joys as a, as a college football coach is giving a kid who's done everything you've asked an opportunity to really truly earn a scholarship. And that's the fun part about our walk-on guys is that, you know, the microscope is on them every day. And so to be able to award that to him, um, based on his performance and what he'd done at Northwest Missouri State, is it's a lot of fun. Well, and then as we kind of focus, you, you talked about, you know, it's it's kind of be up to guys to, to kind of work through the summer and, and work on things as, as you talk to him throughout this week. What's kind of your focus between now and when fall camp will start? Boy, it uh, it really doesn't. You know, it's funny. I go to the grocery store and everybody asks me, well, you, you have some downtime now. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> uh, I've got – like I said, 110 exit interviews I've got to conduct over the next week and a half. Um, every kid gets 15 to 20 minutes. Uh, my doorway's full of slots, um, you know, and so away we go with that. As soon as that's done, uh, we go onto the road and start junior recruiting. Um, so all these guys will be getting out on the road, going to their territories and and starting to identify you know, next year's class. And so that's, that's what really starts the process going there and then getting them invited to our summer camps, which is the next thing that happens. So they'll go out on the road for three weeks, come back. We'll begin our summer camp schedule. We've got individual camp. Then we have uh, four days of team camp. Um, then we have a golf tournament, which is our largest fundraiser every year. Uh, the third uh, Friday in June. And so get done with that. And then we'll have a couple more junior invite days. I'll try and give them a week or two off and then we kick it all back off again. So there's uh, there's not a whole lot of time in college in college football anymore uh, to have a downtime. So, you know, that's we just kind of pivot, put a different hat on and, and away we go. All right. Well, Coach, I won't take up any more of your time. I know you're busy, but I appreciate you taking a little time to uh, to chat. And it was nice to get a get a little from a fan's perspective, get a little football fix uh, last week. And we look to see, look forward to see what this fall has in store. Yeah, it should be uh, it should be an exciting spring and summer. And uh, you know, the kids get back here right after the Memorial holiday. We'll give them a couple weeks off after graduation, and then they'll be back uh, rocking and rolling. So. Excited to see what they do over the next couple months with their time and and excited to uh, get things cranked back up. I'm ready. I'm ready for some Bearcat football. It's, it's never a bad time to talk Bearcat football or to watch some Bearcat football. So it was exciting for me to uh, to kind of put this thing together, talk about uh, the team, and and we're ready to roll. Also, big thank you to Coach Wright for taking some time and uh, out of his busy schedule, like he said there at the beginning, all, all the crazy stuff he's got going on the next couple of weeks. And so even though spring practice is over, so definitely appreciate his time. Well, let's take a quick time out. My chat with John Walker, the Missourian, next year on Bleed. Green. Hey, this is former Bearcat Utility Knife Jordan Grove, and you are listening to Bleeding Green with Matt Daniel. Go Cats! Welcome back here on Bleeding Green. Joined now by the sports editor, the Northwest Missourian, John Walker. And John, man, thanks for making some time for me and and coming on here on the on the podcast. I know you're a guy getting ready to graduate, so we I wanted to get you on one last time. So I uh, appreciate you doing it. And and hey, we got some. We finally got some football to talk about here in the spring. 
yeah, isn't that wild? Oh my goodness. You know, it felt like forever ago we were kind of talking about this year's recruiting class and now here we are, we have September to look forward to and uh, spring game to, to talk about and kind of reminisce on until then. Well, and you had a good article about, um, you know, kind of some of the questions, right, facing, um, you know, facing this team. And I think, you know, probably the thing that you mentioned in your article, I think it's probably the one at the top of the list if uh, as far as an unknown position group was receiver. And that's, uh, you know, wh- what uh, what were kind of your thoughts going into the game i mean i was really interested to see what you know what this receiver core was going to look like right go going in you know i kind of touched on it in there you were you were replacing a receiving trio that combined for nearly 300 catches like 35 touchdowns and in what 4,000 yards so i mean you obviously have a tall task with replacing that to begin with and keep in mind that two of those receivers were only on the team for two years so it, it, that just speaks volumes to kind of how a, a run-first offense has kind of developed into the new era, I guess. Um, and then, you know, I added eight, eight new guys in this year's recruiting class. Uh, obviously, they were not in the spring game. I was really interested to see Trayvon Alexander. Uh, was really interested to see Connor DeLong. Um, not that I think he will necessarily start, but just to kind of see how he's developed thus far. Um, and then obviously, uh, wanted to see a little bit of Keegan sturdy in slot, uh, just kind of as a replacement of Alec Tatum, exact same play style almost. And, uh, you know, we kind of got a good look at all three of those things. Yeah. And then Al, Alex, little brother, Miles, who I don't know that's ready to step into that spotlight yet, but I mean, he's a guy, you know, we got to see and it was, it was, uh, yeah, kind of interesting to see, um, you know, and yeah, that's the thing, right. With the recruiting class, we didn't get to see some of those guys. I'm sure, you know, you coach Wright's talked about it. I'm sure, you know, we're going to add another, um, you know, he's going to add a, a, a transfer in. So who knows, you know, who knows what things are exactly going to look like come fall. Yeah, and that's kind of the thing that he talked about on signing day, too. He said, you know, we got a lot of young receivers on the roster, but we kind of need that one person to be able to come in and have an immediate impact. So I I don't think they're done uh, recruiting, at least looking at the portal in a couple of positions, receiver being one of those. Um, But, you know, what, what we saw at the spring game wasn't too shabby at all, so... Yeah, I think I think there were a lot of especially young guys, which there are. There's a ton of, you know, redshirt freshmen and and redshirt sophomores that we got to look at that, um, you know, that acquitted themselves pretty well. Yeah, for sure. Just kind of those, you know, those guys that I mentioned, Connor DeLong, he ends up grabbing a couple of touchdowns or at least a couple of big catches uh, in one touchdown. No, it was two touchdowns. It was. Yeah, yeah he DeLong. looked really, really good. Yeah. A couple of touchdowns. I mean, he's like six, two, six, three, whatever it is. And, and really just kind of can go up over anybody. That's what he showed at the spring game, at least. Um, Trayvon Alexander caught a touchdown as well. Keegan Sturdy had a couple of catches. It was just everything that we kind of needed to see from the people who were in attendance on roster. We kind of saw. Mm-hmm. Uh, didn't didn't get a good look at Jamal Ramoya just because he's kind of been battling with some lingering things from the fall, uh, and it was just kind of better precautionary to, to to let him, you know, kind of sit the spring game out of all things. That's the last place you want to risk injury. Um. So yeah, I mean, we saw kind of everything that we essentially needed to see from from the younger guys. 
Well, and, you know, talk about injuries, too. The offensive line, I think there were maybe two guys that are slated to start were the only ones that played with the first five. But the 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 transfer, Theobald, man, the, the kid at left tackle, I mean, listen, Tanner Owen, that's some big shoes he's got to fill. That kid is a monster. I mean, he is just massive. He looked really, really big on the offensive line. He was a guy that kind of stood out out there. And, you know, I mean, when you're going against uh, – you know, the Bearcat defensive line, that's, uh, you know, that's a pretty big test. And I thought for the most part, really all of the offensive line, even the young guys running with the twos and threes, the line played pretty well. Yeah, the line held up. You know, it was a big day by the running backs. And obviously the line has a big thing to do with that. I think it was one of the, you know, they, they kind of send the first team units out. and I'm scanning, perusing to see who's out there and what Rich and company are, and his staff are, are trying. And I was like... Man, I did not know Tanner Owens stuck around. And I was like, yeah, that's not Tanner. Obviously, <laughs> it's not Tanner. It was Andrew Theobald. But I was just like, man, if that, you know, like you said, big shoes to fill. But if anybody's seen, seemingly fit to step into them, it's Andrew Theobald. I mean, 6'7", 320, uh, spent a little bit of time at Garden City Community College and then kind of went to uh, um, Tusculum. And so – Man, he's got experience. He's kind of one of those guys that Rich is looking for in the portal where he can just, you know, plug and play, be able to come in and have an immediate impact. And, and boy, did he at the spring game. Yeah, and Coach has a pretty good, you know, Coach Wright's got a pretty good track record of, uh, you know, finding guys in the portal, those guys with one more year of eligibility, you know, going back to a to a Josh Caldwell. Obviously, the running back position's been great. And then, of course, Al last year and, and he, even, um, you know, Strambler and Nimmers last year in the secondary. I mean, you know, if, if uh, you know, if Theobald can play as well as any of those guys, he's going to, you know, that's that's some pretty good company to be mentioned with. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's one of the things, you know, at Northwest, regardless of sport and kind of especially football, they're very, very selective on what kids come into the program. Um, recruiting, obviously, but especially those portal guys, uh, mostly because, you know, let, let's let's use Andrew Theobald, for example. Not that this is necessarily the case, but just an example. Andrew goes to the two schools he's been at and kind of gets set in his ways that he's been taught wherever. Um, and then comes to Northwest and is very reluctant to kind of adapt. That's exactly why you don't take a transfer or why you wouldn't take a transfer in, in some instances. Um, but, you know, kind of like you mentioned, Isaiah Nimmers, Cedric Strambler, you had Al McKellar, all of these one-year guys come in and be able to essentially fit the culture that 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 is northwest football and and just kind of roll with it uh so those are the guy rich and his staff the guys that rich and his staff look for um and uh yeah there will probably be a few more this year i could imagine yes yeah i think i think you're right i think you're right well then just before we talk about defense i mean what were your kind of overall thoughts just about how the offense looked yeah, I like the offense. Um, we, uh, you know, I think the other one of the other question marks is kind of what were they going to do at running back? Um, you know, we already saw it, said Jamar Moya. We saw last season that he was kind of that plug-and-play guy, like your Swiss Army knife. He lined up in slot. He was lined up in outside and would come in motion, lined up in the backfield. It, it, if they needed something from him, Jamar Moya was pretty much set to do it. 
Uh, so didn't get a good look at him, obviously, but, you know, we got to see Jaden Brady. We got to see Robert Rari, uh, saw a little bit of Tank Young, a three-star recruit that they got last year uh, that redshirted, uh, and they all looked good. Um, so that was, that was probably the other question mark aside from receiver, as I imagine a lot of people, you know, trying to replace Al McKellar. Um, so that they looked good as well. I think the only thing – Maybe that we didn't get to see much of from the offense was um, a few more drives from Braden Wright. I think he had, what, one, two, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and maybe it just would have been a little nice to kind of uh, see a few more. But that, I mean, you know, that's one of those guys, the spring game is to get reps to be able to see what you have in your bag. And you kind of already know what you're getting from Braden Wright. So, um, yeah, perhaps that was the reason. I'm not really sure. But would have liked to see maybe a couple more drives. Uh, but overall, uh, I guess this is just a long, meandering way to say that the offense looked good. And if I had to guess, it's only going to get better throughout the summer. Keep in mind, Al McKellar didn't commit until like July or August. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think it was early August. It seemed like it was right before, um, right before kind of fall practice started. And yeah, you know, you talk about all those young receivers. I mean, you know, with, um, you know, with Mikey and Braden both, you figure those guys are going to get lots of reps, um, be working with all those young guys a lot. And that was the thing, you know, when you, when you talk about, um, you know, Alec Tatum and Imani Donadell and Caden Davis, those guys were pretty much where they were supposed to be all the time as receivers. And it's, you know, and they had, there was that trust factor with the quarterbacks. I think that's something that's, it's going to be interesting to see kind of how that develops with, you know, with these young receivers and definitely some, some things for those guys to work on during the summer. Yeah, for sure. And and that's kind of the, you know, that's kind of the, the benefit to having two quarterbacks who are capable of starting that, you know, sometimes on some rosters, you have the guy, obviously, and then you kind of have, you know, especially in today's era of the transfer portal, you have a guy who maybe just kind of like is sitting there okay with being a backup, you know, maybe didn't want to transfer anywhere else, whatever the case might be. Um, and they might not be as good as your starter. Um, I mean, obviously, they're the backup for a reason, you know. Um, so you send half of your receivers to go with the starter to throw. <clears throat> you send half of your receivers to go with the backup to throw. And when they switch, it's just kind of completely different. Why? Because the timing. I mean, point blank period. The timing, the chemistry that you build between a quarterback and receiver is just kind of unmatched. Really good chemistry can make an average receiver look great. Um, so the benefit of North, that Northwest has is, is having two quarterbacks that could be on the field at literally any moment. Uh, so, you know, they're two different quarterbacks, but they're two starting caliber quarterbacks, starter caliber quarterbacks. So you don't necessarily have that much of a lapse. Uh, you know, if you split the receivers off and kind of send half with Braden, half with Mike, they're still getting valuable work in either way. Sure. Sure. Well, then defense. I mean, I think that's the that's the side of the ball we all kind of take for granted um, because, because Rich is is running things over there. But I mean, you just look at all the losses, right, of a, of a Brody Buck, a Jackson Barnes, a, you know, all of the guys in the secondary, a, you know, obviously Sam Roberts, but even Noah Williams. I think he was kind of the unsung guy in those D linemen last year. I mean, you got Zach Howard, right. you got Elijah Green, you got Sam Phillips, you got a lot of talent coming back, but I was, it was nice to see some, some of the young guys like a Drake Kinsella, 
a, a Walker Graves. Drake Kinsella, by the way, shout out to him because he's an eight-man football guy. I got a soft spot in my heart for those <laughs> eight-man guys. But even a Tyler Miller, who you know stepped up big in the Missouri Western game last year. Yeah. Um, you know, s- some other guys, um, Isaac Volstead, I think we all expect great things from him because of his brother, even Andrew exactly. um, Bloom. He would, he looked really, really good. The linebackers were really fast and, uh, just, you know, the whole defense, I thought, you know, acquitted themselves pretty well, especially the, the too deep. Oh, absolutely. And I think, you know, we, we kind of talked about the question marks on offense. One of the question marks on defense was you know, how do you replace Duravian Anderson, Diedrich Strambler in the secondary? Well, I raise you a Treon Jones, a Josh Turner, you know, a, a, a Khalil Smith. And just that group, the swagger that they played with, and it's only spring. Uh, I could only imagine how that group is going to develop and continue to get better, uh, you know, come September. So... Yeah, I, I had heard some the, that the secondary had been performing really, really well in practices, um, kind of against against the offense. And yeah, they they definitely uh, I'd heard they definitely had some swagger about them, and uh, and a lot of young guys, you know, even a Trayvon Peak um, as well. And so a lot of young guys, and and um, you know that's what you know I know that's what Coach talked about after was a was a reload, not a rebuild. Um, kind of thing, and and uh, but it, you know it'll be interesting to see a lot of those guys without game experience. But there are some. Yeah, you talk about Khalil Smith; he's an interesting one. He's somebody that everybody is really, really high on. He's only a sophomore too. So, and same thing with uh, uh, Josh Turner as well, who played some as a true freshman. So, yeah, yeah both. I mean, both came in. Khalil, you know, Khalil kind of came in was just kind of on the roster last year. Um, you know, some things happen at DB. He ends up starting and earns himself a scholarship halfway through the year. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, you know, not too many true freshmen can, not many freshmen can step in and do that. Um, so, I mean, that that alone just kind of speaks volumes to, to what he was able to do last year. And then, yeah, you, you mentioned Josh Turner um, kind of stepped in in that Fort Hayes game week one yeah. when I believe Khalil got hurt, actually. He was, yep, that's right. Um, Khalil was out for the second half. Fort Hayes, very pass-heavy last year, as I imagine they probably will be this year with Chance Fuller, and uh, or I guess next year. Um, and, you know, Josh Turner kind of stepped in on that last drive and had two massive pass breakups to kind of help uh, the Cats fend off Fort Hayes in week one. So really, you know, I already said it, I'll double down on it. Really, really, really looking forward to, to just how that group continues to develop and grow throughout the summer and, and into the fall. Yeah, absolutely. Then, of course, special teams, I think kickers is another position everybody was looking at. It was nice to see all four uh, PATs were made. A, a, a missed field goal was was unfortunate. But, you know, looking at long snapper, I think, and kicker are going to be, you know, a couple of positions that, um, you know, if you're doing your job, you know, nobody notices you, but yeah, when, when you start to miss some kicks and things brings a little more attention to yourself. And I think that's what we saw last year. So, um, you know, I think there's good competition there. That'll be interesting, you know, to see how things kind of shake out and develop between, between now and the fall. Yeah. 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 You know, kind of touching on special teams, starting right there with a the kicker, 
I mean, you have three kickers on the roster now. You have Charlie Galantine. You have Noah G. I would butcher his last name, so I'm not going to try it. I think something like Gastella that. Gastella, <laughs> and um, and then you know you still have Cole Lamel. So I mean, you have options. Um, the problem, of course, is that I, I think Rich kind of used the word sporadic to describe their kicking last year. And I don't think there was a better word to describe it. Mm. You know, one game they would make, you know, 45-yard field goal, not miss a single PAT. And then you have games like Nebraska Kearney where nobody can make a PAT. So, um, sporadic was the correct word. And I had a, a thing to watch for on special teams. What, who are your kick returners? Because for the past couple of years, it's been Caden Davis and Amani Donadale. Those are two of the two of the uh, three main receivers from last year who graduated. Um, a world-class speed. And, and Alec Tatum uh, returning punts, too. And Alec Tatum, mm-hmm. yeah, and Alec mm-hmm. Tatum returned punts. So now you're going to have, you know, obviously two new returners, a new punt returner, and uh, that, that will be interesting as well. Because um, kind of like you said, you know, a lot of people don't really notice those positions because most of the time they do their job. But when they don't, everybody in the stadium notices. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, anybody else that, that kind of stood out to you that that uh, maybe, we, maybe we didn't get a chance to mention? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, again, Jaden Brady uh, was fantastic. Um, you know, if, if Rich and Co. can't really, you know, address running back room in the portal – and your running back are Jamar Moya and Jaden Brady. I, you know, I, I think you could still sleep pretty well at night. Um, Jaden Brady was fantastic. He actually earned a scholarship earlier that day, a few hours before the spring game. So, um, you know, just kind of speaks to what he's been able to do uh, last year. And, you know, obviously through winter workouts, through spring ball, and just kind of getting rewarded with that. And then I really, really, really liked uh, Chris Roomke. Um, what a redshirt freshman from Platte County High School. So about a hop, skip, and a jump away relatively from Maryville. And he kind of came in late in the game, late in the spring game, and had a few really beautiful balls downfield, threw a couple of touchdowns to Connor DeLong. And, man... When when it's all said and done, when the dust settles in a couple of years and, and Braden Wright is not in Maryville and Mike Cohenzie is not in Maryville and whoever's not in Maryville, Chris Roomkey is going to be really, really fun to watch throw the football for uh, in Bearcat Stadium. Yeah, he, he has a cannon, and it was just, we were talking a little bit before, and the thing that really impressed me, it was just kind of a flick of the wrist. There was one play that I think went to a running back down the seam, and it was a little bit underthrown. The running back made a heck of a play on the ball, but just his arm strength and and what he can do, you know, you, you think about boy, if he, you know, if he st- sticks around in the program and continues to develop in a couple of years, yeah, we could be in, you know, in in awfully good shape. And that's that's kind of fun. That's the thing too that's so fun about this the spring game, even the even the fall scrimmage, is you get to see some of these guys because he, I remember him from the fall scrimmage last year, in uh, and and I came away from that saying, listen. You know, he was having to play against our, you know, kind of the the ones and twos on defense and didn't have a ton of success, but he's got a lot of arm talent. 
And that's, uh, yeah, it's going to be, it's exciting to see how he's going to develop in the coming years. Uh, yeah, for sure. And I think the thing is, you know, you kind of mentioned, imagine how much better you get just by facing that defense every day in practice and, and being able to work with that offensive staff and that in those offensive skills players every day in practice. It, it's kind of hard to not get better. And so, you know, if he's not getting first team reps right now and he's already that good, uh, it, it, it's going to be something to watch for in the next couple of years when, when he eventually kind of works his way up to that point. Yeah, absolutely. Well, well, John, I appreciate you taking time and, and coming on here. I, I appreciate you coming on throughout the last, uh, last almost year here as this podcast kind of taken off. You've, uh, you've been a behind the scenes guy. That's been really helpful to me. I'm, I'm kind of sad to see you graduate and leave Maryville, but I, uh, I wish you the best of luck in, in your future. And, uh, and I've appreciated your friendship and thanks so much, man, for, uh, for coming on. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me for one last time. Uh, I, I think anybody who listens to this is probably already subscribed, but if you're not, please, please, please subscribe to the Bleeding Green podcast. If you like Northwest football and you're not subscribed to this podcast, then you probably don't really like Northwest football. So uh, it, it is, um, it is, it has been really fun and really neat to kind of sit back for the last year and watch this podcast develop and and kind of turn into the thing that it has, you know. Um, so I, uh, in, in return, obviously, thank you as much as, as you'd like to thank me for for coming on. It's, it's as much of a pleasure to be on. Welcome back here on Bleeding Green. Very happy and proud to be joined by the Director of Equipment Operations up at Northwest, Tucker Peeve. And Tucker, man, thanks for uh, thanks for coming back on. And, and, you know, we talked after we had chatted here a few months ago, right around, I think it was signing day. And, uh, it, you know, we did a little bit about, uh, you know, kind of about equipment and everything. One of the things we really didn't cover was the locker room. And so we talked about, man, I got to get you on here again. We got to we got to talk about how this locker room kind of came to be. And, you know, I got to, got to come up and see it a couple of months ago. And and uh, just, you know, it's even more impressive than all the pictures. But I, I thought it was something that definitely, uh, you know, would fit right into what uh, what I'm doing here. Well, first things first, man, I appreciate you having me on again. Um, must be a slow news month, right? But no, <laughs> it's awesome to talk about the locker room. And it was awesome to have me up here a couple months ago, too. Um, to see it all firsthand, but um, it was absolutely an awesome experience. Um, you know, working on this locker room project with Coach Wright and the administration here in Northwest to see you know our student athletes reap the benefits of it. It's it's been awesome. Yeah, I mean it's next level. I mean you know, we we talked about it. I've talked about it to other people. I mean not just not just Division Two. I mean it puts some some big time D one schools locker rooms it, to shame. Absolutely. You know, it's, it's been a marquee space for Northwest division two and, you know, the rest of the conference, especially, um, it's kind of raised the bar of locker rooms across, across the country. Um, you know, in the design process, we really, you know, picked apart a lot of division one FBS locker rooms and the features that we liked, you know, from each locker room, take some from Clemson, take some from Michigan state, um, take some from KU, um, to see, you know, see what we really liked and obviously what we could do on our budget. Um, to kind of make the best home for our student athletes as we could. You know, there's a lot of guys 
that I say live in the locker room, but they spend most of their day in there, you know, from homework studies to playing video games to obviously practice time. Um, it's gotten to the point that we got to go around the locker room at night to ask kids to turn in their laundry or else we'd be here all night doing laundry, you know, <laughs> but it, it's a good problem to have. Well, well t- where, where did this, you know, idea kind of come from? I mean, it was, it was a little bit in, in, in the making, but obviously, you know, the, the, uh, you know, so many former players and alumni and things, obviously the money part of it, but where did the idea for, you know, Hey, we got to read you know, we got to redo this locker room. Let, let's go big. You know, I know it, well, it was Coach, a lot to do with you absolutely. and Coach Wright. No, I mean, Co- Coach Wright, you know, was steering steering the ship. I mean, you look at our locker room facilities. They were last renovated in, I want to say, 07, 08, 09, somewhere in there. Um, and just, you know, they're old wooden lockers. Uh, materials change, obviously, over time. Wear and tear catches up on items. And so the locker room was over 10 years old. And it was definitely time to upgrade the facility. Um, Coach Wright really went to the plate, um, spearheading the fundraising campaign, and absolutely, you know, clearly knocked that out of the park. Um, there's there's so many former players and alumni, um, and just Bearcat backers in general that came to the plate um, to really deliver this awesome locker room for the guys. Honestly, we can't thank them enough. And so when you were looking at other locker rooms, I mean, did you, did you go visit some to see some of the things you wanted to, you know, did you, you know, reach out to, yeah. to other equipment yeah. managers and things? Yeah. You know, from equipment standpoint, we kind of knew what we wanted, you know, as far as like the laundry drops built in the wall. Um, so back by the, back by the showers, we have kind of like mail room slots. Think of it as for laundry. Um, so guys can come in. We have one for towels, one for loops and one for jerseys after practice. There's no hampers in the middle of the locker room, you know, to make it look cluttered or anything like that. Um, guys come and turn in their own laundry. Um, you know, one of the big things Coach Wright wanted was the doors on the lockers. Um, so we actually partnered with Holman Lockers, uh, based out of Dallas, Texas area. They've done the Golden State Warriors, the Dallas Mavericks, the Houston Texans, um, you name it, they've done it. Um, and they were awesome to partner with on this project. Um, can kind of making our, our dreams a reality on our budget. Um, the lockers feature, um, solid surface doors, um, that are actually made out of Corian material, which is the same as a lot of homes have as kitchen counters. Um, so it's a real durable material that we can get clean, wipe clean. That's not going to break, crack, get brittle, stuff like that. Um, and we were able to get that large Paul, 18 inch Paul routered in the doors. Um, so that, that really, you know, from a branding standpoint, accentuates the locker room, um, you know, features-wise, we have 120 lockers down here. Each locker is actually um, direct ventilated to the HVAC system on the roof, um, whereas a lot of lockers these days just have little inline computer fans, you know, for drying out the pads and sweaty gloves and shoes after practice, where ours are direct vented, and we're actually able to pull a quart of water or moisture out of every locker every 24 hours. Um, so, you know, when you go to the gas station and get your big old, you know, your big gulp, we're able to pull a big gulp of sweat out of each locker every 24 hours, um, which means, you know, those big O linemen and D linemen, even the wide receivers and DBs don't have sweaty pads the next morning when they come in, um, which helps from, you know, a sanitation standpoint, a smell standpoint, and a uh, player experience standpoint. Well, and, and they've, what else? I mean, there, there's that in there. They have a place to charge their, you know, their phones and, and tablets yeah, and all so, that stuff. Well, you know, one of the big things here at Northwest, we are technology-based campus. You know, every student athlete gets a laptop for free. Um, so we wanted to make sure they have a spot to change, charge their laptop, charge their iPad, charge their cell phones during practice. That's all locked away and secure. 
Um, so everybody's able to customize a pin code for their locker. There's pin codes to enter the locker room. So, you know, we don't have to worry about guys walking in there that shouldn't be in there, or, you know, stuff like that. Um, you know, the charging ports, we even thought about, you know, where to get, where the guys hang their knee braces and ankle braces after practice. Cause we need those to be there dry. There's special custom design hooks for their, um, knee braces and stuff like that. The tops hinge open. There's an led, uh, 28 inch led panel on the top of each locker, um, that features the uh, player's hometown high school and, um, position that they play along with a personalized headshot of that player. So it's real customized from a player experience standpoint to make them feel at home. Um, when that compartment is hinged up, that's where they can store their gloves, store their shoulder pads, and that's also ventilated, um, obviously, to get everything dried out. The bottoms of the lockers, the seat seat cushions hinge up. Um, it's actually marine-grade leather um, that was all hand-sewn down in Dallas by Holman that's you know not going to get brittle over the years when we wipe it down or when it gets sweaty. you know It's not going to crack. Um, that compartment hinges open for their cleat storage, travel bag storage, um, backpacks, you know, whatever they really want to store down there. So it was really customized, you know, from what the players wanted. We asked what the players wanted. We saw an obvious need that they needed more storage, and we uh, found a way to get it done. Well, and, and you know, obviously, from hearing that, from from seeing the pictures of me from going there, I mean, there's more than just looking nice. Right. They're functional, but then Absolutely. as well made out of quality materials where it's not just looking nice for now. It's going to We wanted stay. something that's going to, that, that's going to last, you know, for the next, you know, 10, 15 years. Um, something that was built to last, durable, that's going to be a classic look, clean lines, you know, that's, you know, kind of like a classic car, car, something that's not going to, you know, age. Um, and that's, that's what we, that's what we got with this, you know, partnering with Holman. Um, you know, some other features, you know, outside of the lockers, um, we have a 12-foot LED illuminated pall that was uh, custom fabricated down in uh, Overland Park, Kansas, um, for the guys. Um, we feature the same wood, wooden ceiling with the hash marks and goal line LED backlit um, that Clemson has in their locker room. Um, and also a little little feature is, is the hash marks and goal line that are in the ceiling match up with the hash marks and the goal line that are in the carpet. Um, so it's kind of cool when you look up and look down, everything matches up like a game field. Yeah, that that's amazing. Well, that's, it's, it's really open. It's really open concept. Nothing, no part of the locker room really seems closed off. Yeah. We, we wanted a real open feel, you know, to build that camaraderie with the guys. It, it is, it's a second home for the guys, especially, you know, in season, out of season, it doesn't matter. Um, it's a big homework study section for the guys. We wanted technology to be a big facet of the space too. Um, so the guys could, you know, have a have a second home. So there's Wi-Fi in there. Um, we have a 26-speaker uh, speaker AV system in there with eight subwoofers for the guys um, with an iPad built on, built on the wall with Apple Music, Spotify, YouTube, you know, however they want to play their media. Um, there's eight TVs in there, um, all flat screens. That each TV has a, a new Xbox, I don't know, whatever the new Xbox is called, and then the PS5. Um, so the, so the guys are able to play their games and, you know, they, they have a lot of NBA 2K challenges and games and tournaments they play after practice. And then obviously we got the ping pong table that's, uh, vinyl wrapped to look like the turf outside. So it matches the, the stadium turf and the same with the foosball table. Um, so we really incorporated, you know, the football program's traditions and the design of the turf and everything like that in the locker room to kind of make it seamless from a branding aspect. 
Yeah, how do you got? How do you get the guys out of there? That's what I want to know. <laughs> it's it's never ending. I've, I've walked in there some nights, you know, coming home and after practice, you know, coming in doing laundry stuff. Like those guys in there at ten o'clock at night doing homework. <laughs> well, that was the way when I was up there. It was just in the middle of a day. I don't remember. It was like a Tuesday or Wednesday or something. Yeah, there was at least two guys in there doing homework, just yeah, sitting on, the, know, on the big couches. A lot of guys hang in there eating their built bars. You know, we got a built bar fueling station um, in there as well. So guys can come and grab built bars whenever they'd like, which has been an awesome partnership for us at Northwest. Um, you know, the, one of the coolest things I thought, you know, when you, I think there is when you walk in on the right hand side, there's a large donor board and everybody that sponsored a locker or sponsored a locker and project is on that donor board. It's kind of a directory. Um, so, you know, let's say, you know, um, Coach Martin sponsored a locker. He can go in there and find his locker number and go directly to his locker. And each locker has a stainless steel engraved plate um, with that donor's name. And each donor was able to give a customized message per locker um, of what they wanted on that locker for life, which is really neat. Well, and I love, I love that, you know, when you talk about the, the LCD screens that are on the top of each yeah. one, and then there's the blank ones for when you bring a recruit in or, you know, when coach brings well, a yeah, recruit so in or something we, like we're that. We were able to, to, to get back on the whole technology thing. Um, we were able to get signage displays software built into each TV. So we're able to control all the signage in every TV from one central computer. Um, so next time you come to campus, Matt, we'll make sure to have the, uh, the podcast graphic up there for you to take some pictures. Nice. And if we have a recruit on campus, we can put the recruits name on campus or, you know, throughout the season, we put our daily schedule on there. Um, so half of the TV can be the daily schedule. And then the other half of the TV can be their, their TV game or, you know, their Xbox game or sports center or whatever they want it to be. So the guys are always in touch. Yeah. That's so cool. My favorite part though, honestly, is I'm just kind of a, you know, old school classic guy is the big Paul on the ceiling. I mean, that's probably Absolutely. my favorite part. No, that was, that was coach Wright's make or break that in the doors. We got to have that illuminated Paul, um, which is just an awesome branding aspect. I, I'm pretty sure it's the largest Paul on campus. Um, and it was, like I said, all custom fabricated down in Kansas City. The guys kind of a cool story on that. You know, with the with the delays and everything we had, you know, we had the COVID shutdown, then we had the Lambkin roof situation that slowed down construction a little bit. Um, you know, it's supposed to supposed to open mid August. We we opened towards the end of August, a few weeks late, which is just miraculous based on the time frame um, we had. The, the GCs we used on the, the general contractors we used on the project, Straub Construction, based on Kansas City. This was actually the first locker room they ever built, um, but they were awesome hands down the best the best gcs i've ever worked with um super detail oriented and everything and with the paul it was the night before the uh, unveil to the team and the paul still wasn't in the ceiling um so they were here till 2 a.m maybe 2 30 a.m putting that paul in the ceiling um so it was kind of cool to see that all put up last minute it was kind of the cherry on top of everything you know mm. do you have a favorite part of the locker room I, I think the donor board's pretty neat, um, you know, to give a shout out to everybody, all those families and former players, alumni, and just Bearcat supporters that, you know, gave to the locker room. I think there's a thing. It's just not enough, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, is there anything else that, that we didn't touch on? I mean, there's so much of it. It's the oh. thing of it is when I walked in is I'd seen a lot and a lot of pictures of it and it still just kind of, whew, you know, takes your breath away. Yeah, no, I recommend anybody that wants to come up, shoot me an email um, and we can set up a time to give you a tour of it. 
Um, it, it's, it's awesome. I mean, it's a great rec- recruiting tool, obviously for the program and for, um, you know, for the university, it's, it's an awesome space for the student athletes to congregate in. And, um, it was awesome to see it, you know, done right. Yeah, absolutely. Well, before I let you go, Tucker, any, um, any hints of what we can look forward to, uh, equipment wise or anything that this fall? <laughs> no, I, I can't, can't tell about that yet. I mean, you know, we'll, we might see a return of the cats. Um, maybe, maybe a little bit different. Uh, maybe a new, a couple new logos or something like that. But uh, well, we, you know, it's hard to mess with tradition. And if sure. it ain't broke, we don't fix it, right? Right, absolutely. Well, hey, buddy, as always, I appreciate you, and um, I'm sure I'll, I'll uh, talk you into coming on again sometime. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate it, Matt. Welcome back here on Bleeding Green, Beers, Burgers, and Bearcat Football. And big thank you to all of my guests, Coach Rich Wright. Busy guy. Definitely appreciate his time. You may be hearing him again at some point before the season. It's never a bad time to talk about, uh, you know, previous memories and and the the glory days. I don't know. I don't feel like we're past the glory days. Right now it's pretty good. But you know what I mean. Some great seasons uh, gone by and things. How about this for just kind of a little nugget about Coach Wright? He's been on campus longer than Coach T was as as coach of the Bearcats. You know, when you when you look at all of his time together, that's just kind of crazy. I think that kind of gets forgotten about sometimes. So anyway, there's some good stuff to talk about there. He's seen an awful lot of stuff and uh, been on the sidelines for an awful lot over his time. But a thank you to John Walker from the Northwest Missourian. And, uh, you know, he's become a great friend of mine, and he's got a big feature coming up here in the next week or two. So we look forward to uh, checking that out. He, he's such a great writer, does such a great job. And so I'm sad that Northwest is losing him. It's been exciting for him as he goes on to the next chapter of his life and excited to see kind of where that uh, where that takes him. Also, Tucker Peeve, who's just an awesome dude and the best in the business of D2 and probably better than most D1 schools, I would argue. And I know Tucker, he's the guy that's going to be the first one to give credit to his team. And he does have a great team, but he is, uh, he does such a great job is, is that locker room is just amazing. If you haven't had a chance to go do that, you know, and, and, and you're as, as crazy about Bearcat football and Bearcat sports as I am, um, then it's something you definitely need to check out and, uh, you know, and, and arrange to go get a, get a tour of that at some point. But but really, really cool. By the way, dude's got a great voice. I better watch it. He'll be taking, uh, taking my seat here, taking my microphone <laughs> on the podcast. But definitely appreciate him. Also, I want to give a shout out to John Dykstra from the Maryville Daily Forum. He helped me out with the audio of Coach Sturdy and Zach Howard and, and John's so great. He helps me out a ton as well. There's a lot of people that do and that have helped me out to get this podcast just to kind of the, the point that it's been. And and uh, he, he's become a good friend of mine as well. We'll get him on. He always does a good, good MIAA preview, and we'll probably talk about that before the season starts as well. A couple of other things I wanted to talk about is upcoming episodes, right? Is, is this is going to really between now and probably MIAA Media Day, you're, you're not going to hear a whole lot of current stuff on the podcast, we're going to kind of go to, you know, have having a, a guest and things, some upcoming guests, um, Dr. Jim Red, who was the athletic director, he was a head football coach, his his 
time in Northwest started in the 60s when he was a player. And so, my goodness, he's was, you know, he's about a, as as much of a bear cat as you can get. And so, uh, anyway, we got a I got a two-part episode with him coming up that you'll hear uh, you know, in the upcoming next month or two. Uh, great chat with Jamaica Rector, who's Dude's personality is spectacular. That's that'll be a good one, and Coach T and Coach Churchman and I kind of uh, get a chance to talk about how he came to Northwest in those first few years, kind of ninety four to ninety seven, and um, you know it, it's it's been really interesting for me to learn you know so much of this stuff from Doctor Red, from Coach T, from some other guys, from a Chris Grison, you know guys that were at Northwest prior to my time, and you know there's only so much you can you can uh, you know learn by watching old games or going through box scores and you know reading old press releases and that sort of thing. So that's really uh, really kind of a thrill for me. And there's some others. There's several other guys that I'm still in the works for, but you know me. Until I get it recorded, I don't like to promote it. So, so there's lots of other great stuff. Check out um, any place on, on social media. I, I always direct people to my website, bleedinggreenpodcast.com. Um, before I get too much into that, though, on about the two-part episodes, some of the feedback I've gotten with some of the episodes are a little bit long of the interviews. So anything over two hours, I'm going to divide that into a part one and part two. Um, so there will be some of those, like I said, uh, Dr. Red's episode will be a two-parter, and we'll probably have a few others of those. Um, anyway, just kind of an FYI thing, and I'm going to continue. You'll get a bonus episode here and there, probably those two-parters. You'll get them back-to-back weeks, but for the most part, it's going to be an every-other-week thing that will continue probably until about the start of the season. So uh, anyways, there's so much to talk about. I mean, I'll be honest with you. There's enough guys that I'm trying to get things scheduled with. I don't know that I'm going to have time to air them all you know, before the season, which is a great place to be. So, um, you know, anyway, just, just expect bleeding green to carry on, I guess, as long as you'll listen, um, <laughs> as far as that goes. But anyway, um, to the website, bleedinggreenpodcast.com. I just like to direct everybody there. It's, it's, it's a great place to go to. If, if, you know, if, if you're already a listener, you've got your app and everything, however you listen to the podcast, that's fine. But for new folks, I always like to direct them there. And then it shows the different apps and, and different avenues and things where you can listen. You can listen on the website. If, uh, you know, you know somebody who's, who's not a big smartphone person, there's not many left, but I'm related to several. <laughs> so, um, you can, uh, you can kind of direct them there. They can just listen in their web browser, or of course, you know, Pretty much anywhere the podcast is distributed, um, all, all the main ones, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Good Pods is my personal favorite, and many, many others. So you can check all those out. Um, you join the Facebook group. Get notifications there. I post there probably more than I post on my own social media. You're at least going to get a post or two a week of just kind of Bearcat stuff and then podcast stuff as well. That's Bleeding Green Podcast Facebook group. Go throw it a like and and turn the little notification bell on. You can follow my personal Twitter at FroDaddy84. And again, any anything you can do to uh, to help promote the podcast, I definitely appreciate. If you know somebody who would enjoy it, share the word. You know, word of mouth is is the biggest thing. Quite honestly, I don't think there's any substitute for that. So, uh, so that's going to do it for this episode of Bleeding Green Beers, Burgers, and Bearcat Football. Thanks so much for joining me. I'm your host Matt Daniel, and as always, go Bearcats. Go!